Build Back Broke, Prime Minister Boris Johnson, a WEF stooge, and Klaus Schwab acolyte resigns in the UK. We're going to break that all down. But first, the Turning Point Student Action Summit coming up this, the end of July, just two weeks. Away. Folks, you got two weeks left. If you want to go to this thing, you got to go get your tickets right now. The link is in the description, tpusa.com slash SAS, President Trump, Governor Ron DeSantis. And remember, promo code POSO, all caps, P-O-S-O, gets you 25% off your ticket. See you there. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition of Human Events Daily. Today is July 7th, 2022, Anno Domini. Today's top headlines, build back bust. Boris Johnson to step down as prime minister. Next, the Highland Park suspect apparently has confessed to the shooting and admits second attack was planned in Madison, Wisconsin. We'll get into all of that third. Huge settlement. Twitter has reinstated Alex Berenson after he was banned for, quote, COVID misinformation. And finally, a report out of Texas, a Uvalde officer apparently asked permission to shoot the gunman at the school, but was never given an answer. All this and more ahead, Human Events Daily. Good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon. It, thank you, thank you. It is clearly now the will of the Parliamentary Conservative Party that there should be a new leader of that party and therefore a new Prime Minister. And I've agreed with Sir Graham Brady, the chairman of our backbench MPs, that the process of choosing that new leader should begin now. And the timetable will be announced next week. And I've today appointed a cabinet to serve, as I will, until a new leader is in place. Build back bus. World Economic Forum agent, right? Boris Johnson stepping down to resign as prime minister. And you remember, you remember this guy. He had never really been a huge Brexit supporter, but then jumps onto that at the last minute when it looked like they were going to win in 2016 and acted like, oh, I was always a Brexit guy. Yeah, not really. Um, Nigel was the Brexit guy. We all know that. And, and then Boris finally works his way in, works his way in, works his way in, and becomes the conservative prime minister. But he didn't govern very conservatively, did he? No. In fact, as the energy crisis was exacerbated earlier this year, there was a new, quote, rush to net zero agenda that was being pushed by the Boris Johnson government. And in fact, at one point, Andrew Pierce even accused Boris Johnson's wife of being the one to push this agenda. But the fact of the matter is, they were talking about a green revolution, green levy tax implemented and uh, pushing to replace boilers with expensive, environmentally friendly heat pumps across the entire country. I'm reading this from The Express. Uh, you, you've got all of these issues. What was it? An energy prices, crisis, which saw the average energy bill, right, for Britain soaring by almost doubling, doubling in some cases, possibly tripling just on basic energy, your heat, your air conditioning, right? They were pushing this thing. And similar, by the way, to you see over in the Netherlands right now, they've got the farmers that are going at, that are, are responding 
to these crazy green schemes and green policies that are being pushed by who? The Netherlands government to reduce emissions, just re- just reducing emissions. A mad rush for zero is what it was referred to. And people who are struggling with their electric and gas bills this year before the cap is lifted and their bills go up hundreds and hundreds of pounds, they look at their bills and they see 25% of it is green taxes, right? You can't do that. You simply can't be pushing stuff like that. Uh, We've also got the situation where, and of course, I spoke to my friend Raheem Kassam of the National Pulse about this. I said, Raheem, what's really going on here? Do we actually have a situation where uh, this guy is going down because of his mismanagement? Is he going down because of his um, his policies? What's the real issue? He said, well, all of those are part of it. But and and I said, what about Ukraine? Right? Did, you know, I said, no, the people uh, tend to like the fact that he supports Ukraine. But but we know that he's been going over there. We know that he's doing the work of the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab. But more importantly, he said the scandals really were a huge problem for Boris. I said scandals, you know, here in the U.S., you know, we just kind of assume a president's going to have scandals at this point. We don't even uh, you know, we don't even acknowledge them because the mainstream media has lied for so many years. Uh, they're like the boy who cried wolf about scandals, certainly during um, President Trump's administration. And he said, well, no, it's actually different because you had scandals that the media in the U.K. actually started digging into actually started pushing out not just the conservative media, but actually getting into this idea that he would be locking everybody down during COVID, severe lockdowns, extremely repressive lockdowns, but then going and having parties himself inside uh, 10 Downing Street. And so this these became huge scandals, became a huge weight around his neck, around his government's neck. And as you saw, many of his ministers, his cabinet members, they're all resigning. So build back broke. What happens next? We will see. But we're seeing massive turmoil in the UK right now, the same way we're seeing massive turmoil across other parts of Europe. Right. We've got the farmer protests that are going on now in the Netherlands. We're also seeing some indications these are coming up in Italy. And it all ties back to this crazy green agenda that they're pursuing at the same time that they're waging war with Russia in Ukraine. The question is, at any point, Are they going to actually put their people first? The farmers are up in arms in the Netherlands, in Italy. The food riots have begun in Sri Lanka. Look, ladies and gentlemen, we know that we are very concerned about where this world is heading. And that is why so many people are stocking up now on emergency food storage. I recommend a three-month emergency food supply per person. And the way things are going, we're going to need it. In order to go quickly, go to preparewithposo.com for a special order from My Patriot Supply. We've established this new portal with My Patriot Supply, which, of course, is America's largest preparedness company with over 54,000 four and five star reviews. At preparewithposo.com, you will save $150 of their popular three month emergency food kit. This kit provides three solid months worth of delicious meals, food your family will love. And it gives you more than 2,000 calories a day for sustainable energy. Be sure to get one kit for each person in your house. Throw in your trunk, throw in your garage. You get that peace of mind. Go to preparewithposo.com. You will save $150 on the food you're going to need. The world is only nine days away from civilization to anarchy. Understand that. Invest now in emergency food 
from My Patriot Supply today. It's the only investment that guarantees you a 100% return. Preparewithposto.com, we're going to put the link in the description. Investigators did develop some information that it appears when he drove to Madison, he was driving around. However, he did see a celebration that was occurring in Madison, uh, and he seriously contemplated using the firearm he had in his vehicle to commit another shooting in Madison. Do you know how much ammunition he had at that point? Uh, Approximately 60 rounds. At that point, he did? Yes. Yes. The Highland Park shooting suspect apparently has confessed while in police custody. Now, of course, we'll have to see whether or not that confession holds up in trial. That's all going to go back towards um, towards what he pleads. Doesn't have a lawyer yet. He's getting a public defender. We're going to break down everything that we know about this so far. One of the other confessions that he made or, or in part of his confession, apparently he told police that he was considering this second attack in Madison, Wisconsin on July 4th. And we don't have a lot of information about this, but essentially what it seems like we've known so far is that after the, the initial attack, after the initial attack on the parade, climbs he was on the roof of a, a shopping center, on the roof of a store, climbs down a ladder that he had brought and set up on the ladder, drops his gun, heads towards the car that he had brought with him, but then is walking around dressed and had already been dressed during the attack as a woman. Uh, makeup has grown his hair out quite long and gets into the car, drives that car back to his his home or his mother's home. Not entirely clear on that at this point. Gets his mother's car, asks her for it. She doesn't know what's going on. Borrows the mother's car, goes into that, loads that car with weapons and then drives that car up to Madison, Wisconsin, only about two hours away. At that point, he told officers that he had about 60 rounds inside the the vehicle, also had a firearm with him, and yet doesn't open fire on any of the festivities in Wisconsin. And in researching this story, one of the things that I asked for was, you know, do we have this full confession? And, And later, as this goes to trial, I want to see the full confession and hear specifically what he said about this. By the way, the same way that we're continuing to cover the Waukesha parade attack that took place at Christmas last year. We're not giving that up. We're not going to stop talking about that. Also happened right, you know, right in the same area, essentially same part of the country. But the question is, it goes back to when when I was at Guantanamo Bay and working in the interrogation cell that you, you learn that these guys even though their their methods and their opinions and their thought processes seem completely absurd to us, that they do have an internal logic. They do have an internal decision-making mechanism whereby in their decisions make sense to them, right? Remember, nobody considers themselves crazy. Every, you know, when you talk to somebody like this, they consider the rest of the world crazy. Um, they will say, things that make no sense whatsoever from your perspective. But once you start to unpack their perspective and realize what they're going from, then you can start to predict their behavior. And so I'm very interested, you know, why was it that apparently, and just reading through the article that he left Madison and then drove not to another city to conduct some separate attack. 
he actually drove back to Highland Park because remember, we see this later in the uh, in the story that he was arrested back in Highland Park. So you've got him driving two hours out of his way, then two hours back down. So north south, right? Driving two hours north then two hours south with this. And why? The question is why we may never know. We know in these situations, there's always questions that go unanswered. There's always so many um, loose threads that never quite get pulled and never quite go to their to their extension. But it's something that something of interest that you know I'm just going to note and I'm going to leave it as as a leave behind. We also see some information coming out. He had apparently a teenage sex doll that he posted um, at one point had it in a suicidal position hanging in a closet, dressed up the doll to look like himself. So just horrific stuff here. Very sick. Uh, obviously a very disturbed individual. And like I said yesterday, with people like this, you just, as a, we as a society, we have to get them the help they need, not just give them a prescription and send them off on their merry way. I think it's essential to have a, a free speech um, and for and to be able to communicate, yeah, just communicate freely if there are multiple, multiple opinions, but, you know, and, and just make sure that we're not sort of uh, driving a narrative. In order for people to have trust in Twitter, I think it's extremely important that there be transparency. I think Twitter, in, in terms of like serious issues, can be a lot better in informing, informing people about serious issues. How many times has have the media gotten it right? Well, I would say almost never. Well, a surprising story to to report is that Alex Berenson has been reinstated on Twitter. Yeah, that's right. Alex Berenson, who's known as probably the biggest or perhaps most well-known contrarian on COVID-19 in the entire country. He was banned from Twitter. Um, let's look in the story. When was he banned? 2021. So banned about a year ago over COVID-19 tweets, which were considered misinformation at the time. Twitter gave him what was called then a permanent ban. Berenson had taken then to his, his sub stack and had been picking up the slack there, sending messages, sending information uh, to his followers that he is going to sue Twitter. And that he sued them and people's other people have sued Twitter in the past over being banned. And they said, well, you know, uh, we'll we'll see what happens. We'll see where it goes. Alex Berenson is the first person that I know of personally that and I spend I think everybody knows this about me. I spend entirely way too much time on the Twitter platform that Alex Berenson was able to get his account reinstated in a settlement, a lawsuit settlement with Twitter. Now, we don't know if he got money out of this. We don't know all the specific mechanisms. These, these settlements usually come with NDAs. But what essentially comes down to is this. And my friend DC Drano has a lawsuit with Twitter that's also very similar. Because, he's, because here's the thing. <laughs> when you're censoring somebody, when Twitter censors you, if they censor you based on their policies, the way that this is, I'm just going to explain the law. All right, this, these are the rules of road. This is the way it goes. If they're censoring you based on their policies, then they're allowed to do that because they are considered a, a platform, right? But, but if Twitter censors you at the behest of the government, 
at the behest of a government agency or a government guideline, government directive, whether it be U.S. government or state government, then that becomes an, that censorship is then an act of government and an act of government like that to censor somebody for free speech is a violation of the First Amendment. And so we don't know. We do not know the specific mechanism, legal mechanism that Berenson had them on. But the fact that Twitter had to grovelingly come back to him and put him in there and restate, reinstate his account leads me to believe that it is that there was likely government involvement in the censorship of Alex Berenson. Now, this is what we were talking about. And the New York Times is attacking me uh, again. They said over uh, blowing up the disinformation governments board, a.k.a. the Ministry of Truth. Nina Yankovic was supposed to be the head of it. I discovered this thing while it was still in its infancy and made short work of it. The New York Times, along with The Washington Post, is now attacking me, saying, how dare Posobiec do this? This is, uh, you know, he's pouncing. He's going after people, you know, this and that. Look, the government's not allowed to censor. And I have a message for you, for everybody out there. If you attempt to create another one of these projects, if you're trying to go after people like Berenson or anybody else, DC Drano's got another lawsuit out there that's exactly like this. That essentially states the government was coming to Twitter and saying you need to ban these people because of the things that they're saying about COVID. You cannot do that. That is against the law. It is a violation of the First Amendment. And if you continue to do it, here's my message. I'm coming for you. We are going to take you down. We are going to stomp all over you. Any attempt to create a censorship regime in the United States or any mechanism whereby in the government can decide that they will be the ones who decide who's allowed to speak freely in this country. There's compelling evidence that the law enforcement response to the attack at Robb Elementary was an abject failure and antithetical to everything we've learned over the last two decades since the Columbine massacre. Three minutes after the subject entered the West Building, there was sufficient number of armed officers wearing body armor to isolate, distract, and neutralize the subject. The only thing stopping a hallway of dedicated officers from entering room 111 and 112 was the on-scene commander, who decided to place the lives of officers before the lives of children. The officers had weapons. The children had none. The officers had body armor. The children had none. The officers had training. The subject had none. Well, one of the initial reports is out down in Uvalde about the police situation that took place there. And not obviously we know that the school shooting took place, but this report specifically is into the police response. Now, we also know, I don't know if we said it on the on the podcast yet, but the chief of police that Arredondo down there, he has resigned. Uh, we called for his resignation immediately. He has resigned. We're also um, I, at this point, I'm just going to go ahead and call for it. He should be behind bars, should be behind bars, be behind bars for what he did. Right. This happened on your while you were in the hallway, sir. You were in the hallway while this took place. Forty five minutes, 45 minutes, you stood there trying to, quote unquote, coordinate between agencies. Right now, you, you have to go in. You have to stop the threat, stop the killing. 
right? This isn't the time to sit back and worry about procedures. No, no, you, you've got children, right? And by the way, if you broke procedure for that, I would, I would say in one of those situations, I would say, please, please sue me or come after me for breaking procedure to go save children. Please come after me for that, right? It's about lack of leadership, lack of courage, lack of human agency. So what else do we have? The report from the Advanced Law Enforcement Rapid Response Training Center. Now, this is a University of Texas uh, organization that works with law enforcement. Comes out and says that in the report, a Uvalde shooter at one point asked permission to shoot the gunman outside the school, but got no answer. Now, I saw that headline in the Texas Tribune, and that sounds horrific. But when you actually read the report, you understand because at that point, the shooter was very close to children. And so in that specific situation, that's one of those that's one of those times where you've got to make a judgment call. Do I take the shot knowing that if you miss, you could hit one of the children? So it's not like it's not like they couldn't have um, they couldn't have you know prevented the loss of life there. But it also did state after the gunman entered the building, the officers did not properly engage the shooter and they lost momentum. Ideally, the officers would have placed accurate return fire on the attacker when the attacker began shooting at them, maintaining position or even pushing forward to a better spot to deliver accurate return fire would have undoubtedly been dangerous. And there would have been a high probability that some of the officers would have been shot or even killed. However, the officers also most likely would have been able to stop the attacker and then focus on getting immediate medical care to the wounded children. And look, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, that's what we're asking of police officers. And that's why you won't see me on one of those defund the police or attacking police. I just don't do it because that's what we ask them to do and to be in situations like that. That's the kind of country that I want to live in and that I want my kids to be able to grow up in, not in a country like this. And that's all the time we have here. Human Events Daily. Remember, as always, our promise, our oath, our solemn vow to you. Be good, be brief, be gone. Your homework for us. Share this out with one, just one of your normie friends, and then leave us your five-star review, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. What do we talk about today? Build Back Bust. Boris Johnson stepping down as prime minister of the UK. I'm so sorry, Klaus Schwab. I'm so sorry that the Great Reset is facing all of these obstacles and challenges. Gosh, Davos is going to be very, very upset with Mr. Johnson. Uh, Next, the Highland Park suspect confesses to the shooting and admitted a second attack plan in Madison, Wisconsin. Horrific stuff and seems like we're dealing with someone obviously very mentally disturbed. Third, in a settlement Twitter reinstated former New York Times reporter Alex Berenson, also a great author. I've read all of his books. You should uh, you really should check them out as fiction and as nonfiction. Um, this is the first time that we've seen Twitter actually reinstating somebody. And then finally, in the Texas report, Uvalde officer had asked permission to shoot the gunman outside. Officers, of course, as we saw, didn't move down that hallway when they said they would. Folks, we've got a lot going on today. You need to pay attention now more than ever, because I know that we're moving into this this summertime, um, but events, as we've seen, continue to push forward and we need to be at the forefront of them. But but we have to remember the things that we love about this country. We have to remember what we're fighting for. And the Fourth of July is all about that. So 
I want to remind you guys of a famous American tradition going all the way back institution, really this day in history, 1928 for our history break. Sliced bread was sold for the first time by the Chillicothe Baking Company in Missouri using a machine invented by Otto Frederick Rowiter, the greatest forward step in baking since bread was wrapped. That's it, folks. The greatest thing since sliced bread, which is obviously Human Events Daily. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission to lay ashore.